Hi, welcome to episode three of Subarachnoid Survivor. If you've been listening thus far, you know that I am now in an ambulance heading south from the cottage to St. Michael's Hospital, and you're aware that my girlfriend and my youngest sister have just gotten in a car at the cottage to drive down to meet up with me. Uh, at this stage of the game, uh, the, the sad news is, is that it seems likely that I'm not going to make it. While the details are not clear uh, and no medical prognosis has been made, it's quite clear that I have a massive bleed in my brain and people are rallying to try and save my life. I will also warn again that this episode involves some rather uh, upsetting elements, may be a little bit uh, troubling for family members who know me best and for obviously those who were intimately involved with this part of the adventure. But it's something I want to capture and want to acknowledge their uh, commitment, bravery, love and support. In this case, it's the drive down in part that I want to capture and my initial adventures at the hospital. That's what will make up this third episode. For my girlfriend and my younger sister as they're driving south, the first part of the drive is uh, what I would call harrowing. I wasn't there, obviously. But there's a huge storm. The air ambulance can't fly because it's that bad. And the weather is, you know, rain blowing horizontally. It's the middle of the night. They're going 30 kilometers an hour. And the only time they can see anything is when lightning strikes nearby and it illuminates the road a little bit and they can move forward. Fortunately, or unfortunately, there's a lot of lightning. This sets the tone for the first long, upsetting part of the drive. Once they get through the worst of the storm, the road clears a little bit and they're able to make pretty good time. I'm told that this stage of the journey went by pretty quickly, my younger sister on several occasions turning to my girlfriend who's driving and saying, how fast are you going? And my girlfriend saying, oh, uh, 145 kilometers an hour, maybe I'll slow down a bit. And then a few minutes later, my younger sister saying, how fast are you going? And this repeating over and over again. Uh, my girlfriend obviously being very concerned <laughs> about uh, getting downtown to see me. For those of you who know the city, however, uh, when my girlfriend reaches the top of the Don Valley Parkway at 2 or 3 a.m., it's the first time in her experience that she's ever seen that roadway virtually empty. And given the speed that she'd been driving with previously, you'd expect her to be accelerating down the highway. But at this stage, she believes, as a medical professional, as a nurse, that she's going to get to St. Mike's Hospital and they are basically going to ask her to sign the organ donation papers. She knows the nature of the injury I've suffered is likely fatal and therefore she's crying, she's upset, the tears are streaming down her face and she's going slower and slower and slower as she heads down the Don Valley Parkway. She reaches St. Mike's Hospital and it takes her a while to find me, but is told that I am still alive, deeply unconscious, and I don't know the details, but at this juncture, my younger sister, God bless her, 
figures out a way to get back up to the cottage on her own because the rest of the clan is now going to spend the next two days basically repacking everything we just unpacked to prepare to close up the cottage. Apparently I came out of unconsciousness at some point and said to my girlfriend, don't, don't let everybody leave the cottage. You know, they, they just got there. And she said, nobody wants to be at the cottage. They're terrified for you and upset. They're not staying. So thankfully, they all rallied. And as my mother, the grand matriarch of the clan, would say, one of her fondest memories was of everybody pitching in. The grandkids, the kids, everybody just did what was needed and we got everything out and everybody got home safely. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm in unconsciousness, coming in and out. Pam, my girlfriend, arrives and shows up at my bedside. I come out of consciousness to see her and being a doofus, the first sentences I say to her are, don't worry, honey, I've, I've already had the conversation with the ICU nurses about the DNR, the do not resuscitate, which is the last thing she wants to hear about, but apparently was very much top of my mind. So I thought I was being helpful. I probably wasn't. The remainder of the next several days is quite hazy for me. Um, I have a few uh, clear memories. One of them is I have a very clear memory of being catheterized so that I could, you know, be allowed to urinate without using a bedpan. Um, I was unconscious, but the first failed attempt absolutely woke me up and caught my attention. The second failed catheterization attempt really focused my attention in a wide awake way on what they were doing with my privates. And the third and fortunately final failed attempt, uh, fortunately successful attempt, was also equally painful but ended up working. So that was one a wide awake moment. The other one I have a memory of, and I don't know why as much, was the they put a scan through my femoral arteries so that they could look inside my brain to look at the bleed. I remember the incision. I remember them talking a little bit, but that too is is hazy. But the bottom line is is that I and I'm not going to get technical here the way that my girlfriend the nurse could. Um, I have a massive bleed, uh, but they're beginning to think that it's a non-aneurysmic non-recurring subarachnoid hemorrhage. And that might be good news with the caveat that I need to make it through the next many days. And the ICU nurses are expecting at any minute my vessels in my brain are going to go into spasm and that will either wipe out my brain or kill me outright. The other thing that's going on is they don't know where the bleed's coming from, where the blood has come from, and the pressure on my brain is fairly high, but not increasing. What it boils down to is, and this is another part of my good fortune, I don't know how much more, but I'm guessing just a few more milliliters of blood would have put so much pressure on my brain stem 
that it would have killed me outright. So they're feeding me the antispasmodic drugs. The ICU nurse is sitting at the foot of my bed watching me every minute. And they are hoping that my brain doesn't go into spasm. And that's the setup at the end of episode three. I'll be back with episode four momentarily.